Well, good morning. We are finishing up our series, Arrival. In the past several weeks, we have been anticipating the arrival of Christ at Christmas. And Christmas has come, and all of the candles are lit up. And so uh, this should be short and sweet, right? No. Um, we are going to be continuing kind of thinking about how that uh, the first coming of Christ um, helps us point to the second coming of Christ and challenges us to be ready for that. Um, it's kind of, in some ways, almost like test day. Um, I don't know if you ever had this experience, but I remember in school there was a few times. This didn't necessarily happen all the time, but there was a few occasions where test day would show up and I would walk into that place ready to rock and roll. I was like, all right, this is one I got. It's probably like a math test because I was okay at math. And I'd walk in there, I'm like, bring it on. I'm ready to go. Or Mr. Cheddar's geography tests were really easy. There were 10 questions, multiple choice, and he gave us all the answers in advance. And I would walk in there, I'm ready to go for your 10 question, multiple choice uh, uh, test. And like, it is great when you walk into test day ready to go. However, more often than not, I walked into test day kind of with fear and trepidation. Anybody else? I remember walking into my, my biology class in high school that was really hard, and we had to memorize all these definitions and identify all these things, and I was like, oh boy, God help me, you know? And I was in one of those moments in panics because you walk into test day and you're not ready. There is fear that emerges. And what we've been talking about is the fact that we all do look back during the Christmas season at the fact that Jesus came for the first time. But he said, and this was a part of, a core part of his message, is he said, I will return. And that is something that like we are challenged to say, are you ready for that? And to be honest with you, there has been many times in my life where there was fear associated with the idea of Jesus returning. Anybody else? I mean, I don't know about that. It felt like test day. It felt like I was walking to biology class and I'm not prepared and I'm not ready. And you hear maybe some depictions about, you know, things in the Bible uh, that is like, okay, well, you heard about you know, what's going on in the Middle East, and you read this news story, and so Jesus is coming back, and there's going to be, like, fire and brimstone falling from heaven, there's going to be earthquakes, there's going to be wars, and it's terrifying, and I remember growing up, I think I got exposed to some kind of a, a movie or a book or something like that when I was a teenager that was talking, you know, kind of about one particular point of view of what would happen when Jesus returned, one particular, you know, kind of like interpretation of that. And it scared me so much that, you know, there's like nights that I'd be, I'd be awake at night like, uh, is he coming? You know, what, what am I, I better clean my room. I better get everything together. And there was fear, a lot of fear that was associated with that. And um, I hope that today we can talk about this in a way that like eases some of that fear, but really, really challenges us to say, are we truly ready personally for what God is doing in the world? Um, in the Nicene Creed, this is a significant part 
of what the Bible says that Jesus' mission on earth was. And I'm going to read just kind of the portion. This is one of the major creeds of all of like the history of the church that all the kind of uh, orthodox churches across denominational lines agree with is this is what we believe about the person of Jesus Christ from the scriptures. It says, we believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten to the fa- of the Father, God of God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made for us and for our salvation. He came down from heaven by the power of the Holy Spirit. He became incarnate from the Virgin Mary and was made man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. That's what we believe about the story of Jesus Christ and who Jesus Christ was. And at the beginning of that, it talks about how Jesus Christ is God that came to earth. And that's that you hear that in the Christmas story where it says, you know, uh, you'll call him Emmanuel, God with us. And kind of foreshadows that all throughout the Old Testament and gives us this picture of God coming down to earth. In the first uh, chapter of the book of John, it talks about uh, Jesus was there in the very beginning. And, you know, you can hear those words in what I just read as well. And then it kind of goes through what he did on this earth. He was born like we just celebrated at Christmas time. He he, um, was crucified and died. He rose ascended into heaven but then it's this part that it's appropriate for us to think about and be ready for because it's kind of the conclusion and it's kind of the action point that we have at the end of Jesus's life to look out for and be ready where it says he will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead and his kingdom will have no end. So as we've been looking at the arrival of Jesus the first time and pointing towards the arrival of Jesus the second time, um, that is what we, it says we need to be ready for. And again, like I said, there is some fear and there is some maybe like uh, uneasiness when approaching this topic. Let me, kind of, let me kind of settle a couple of things really quickly. There's lots of different interpretations about what the scripture talks about, about future events. And future events are somewhat unclear in the scripture, and I believe that is intentional. And it's intentional in a way to not say, like, this is exactly, you need to know every single detail of everything in the future. The scripture gives us all the information necessary for us to be prepared and ready for what God needs us to know about. But imagine if God said, this is exactly everything that will take place. It gives us kind of these pictures and images. And in many times in the scripture, there, you know, it's unclear as if it's a literal picture and image or a figurative picture and image. And Jesus many times speaks, you know, kind of in parables. And we're unclear if he's saying literally it'll happen exactly like this or this is a picture of what you need to be prepared for. And so that is why it's, it's, it's kind of 
unclear and somewhat scary when you're talking about this topic. And one of the reasons I probably don't talk about it that much because I don't want to be definitive about things in Scripture that I don't see as definitive. But there are, so there's many different points of view and many different opinions. And some groups and churches that are very dogmatic and very deliberate on exactly the sequence of events. I would not fall in that camp. But I think what is really important for us is not to then, just because we're not exactly sure the sequence of events, uh, for us to kind of ignore that clear teaching in Scripture. That Christ will come again, be ready. And so most of the debate, most of the discussion and the disagreement in the church is around kind of this sequence of events. And, you know, you know some, some groups would say that Jesus, um, they will, the church will be taken away and then Jesus will come back at a later date with the people who are faithful and the people who are left on earth will go through difficult times. That's one interpretation, a pretty modern interpretation uh, that is, is a newer interpretation of scripture, but a lot of groups have that kind of view of it. Other, other people would say, you know, there will be a cataclysmic moment where kind of Christ comes and ushers in the end of time. And that will kind of like be that like end moment. Other people say that, you know, there's kind of like different sequence of events um, in different orders. Uh, I don't know. I'm not dogmatic on that. And that is something that I don't think we need to be. Uh, you may have opinions. I may have opinions. And if you get me enough coffee and you find me late at night, I might reveal some of those opinions. <laughs> but I don't, I don't like to get too dogmatic about those things because I think sometimes then it gets really – it gets a little divisive with people when we start saying this is exactly what's going to happen and this is exactly when it's going to happen and things like that. And the scripture really cautions against that. But what the scripture is very clear about is – that number one is you need to be ready. And it says this over and over in scripture to be ready. And I think how some people have taken this challenge to be ready is kind of more of like a newspaper reading kind of ready. And I have, I have had the exact opposite point of view. A lot of people that I know that really get caught up or focused on this start being ready by reading and paying attention to the signs that are going on in the world. And do they line up with this prophecy in scripture? Does this line up in this way or that? And you know what? That's kind of kind of fun. Uh, it's kind of interesting. It's kind of like, yes, I've clicked on a few of those Facebook links and things like that too. But I think the challenge for us is, is more personal. And, and, and really, that is more difficult. Sometimes it's easier to look at the things that are going on in the world that are way beyond your control and talk about them, like going and uh, like yelling and screaming about politicians and those idiots in Congress and all this stuff. Can they get their act together? What are they doing? Balance that budget. Get something passed. Stop arguing over everything. What is going on? You know, it's easier in some way to do that instead of look at your own life. And balance your own personal budget <laughs> or look at your own family and say oh this is what I'm responsible for and so I've seen this many times play out where people are looking at being ready by reading news headlines and neglecting 
what is abundantly clear. It says this in the Psalms, and David wrote this. Search me, God. Know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. And I think this is the heart that we should capture when we talk about the idea of being ready. Is to look inward. And to take some time looking at ourselves in the mirror and saying, God, am I in a right relationship with you? God, is my heart in the right place? Is the things that are under my control under control? Or am I focusing all my attention and time on the things that are beyond my control? Because in some ways, it's, it's easier to criticize those groups and bodies than to look inwardly and to search our own hearts. And so that is the first and clear, clear challenge in the scripture on the reality that Jesus says he will come back and will judge the living and the dead is to look inwardly and to search and to ask and to pray and to seek God and make sure my heart is right and in the right place. And that's some of the reasons why over the past several weeks, you know, instead, you know, of uh, when we're, we're preparing for Christmas, what we do is we, we've had these Bible studies and devotionals available for us to stop and to pause and think inwardly. And some of the, you know, some of the action steps even in those devotionals, if you've been following along, or you know, take a day where you do things like you know, shut off the TV for a day. You know, some of those things were in those devotionals. Or you know, listen to a song and reflect. Or you know, you know, things like this. To stop and to make sure that interrupting your life, uh, the busyness of all of you know, Christmas and all this other stuff, is some inward reflection and thought. And some, some searching of myself and saying, am I ready to face my maker? And that's really what it comes down to. And that's really what, what the challenge is to be ready, is am I ready to face God? Um, and so it very well, uh, lots of different opinions on exactly what will take place at the end of time and exactly how scriptures will be fulfilled. Um, but really, the main action step that we are given in scripture is to look at ourselves. So what should... Um, my question uh, for us is, what should our emotional response and feeling be surrounding the idea that Jesus will come back? That is something that um, I struggled with different fear. I've struggled with different things. But these kind of emotions are probably revealing uh, where we're at in our life. My hope is... That some of those emotions that we've talked about throughout the season of Christmas, those things that we light the candles about, hope, peace, joy, and love, would be the emotions that we have surrounding the idea of Christ's second coming. If there's a lot of fear when you think about what is it that God is going to do in this world, if there's a bunch of fear and like, you know, like worried and stressed out about all of these events going on in the world, it probably reveals that there is a gap in our faith. 
it probably reveals that there's something lacking. It probably reveals that there's some area in our life that needs to emerge more for us to really have the right spirit and attitude. Because the Christmas season is always surrounded by these themes. That when Christ comes, the feelings and emotions should be hope, should be peace, should be joy, and should be love. The idea that Christ came the first time and that Christ will return should elicit those same feelings. That we have hope that Christ is coming, that we're at peace with that, that we are joyful knowing that, and that we're overflowing uh, with love. So these were kind of those pictures that traditionally we've always talked about during the Christmas season and that accompany the first coming of Christ. And hopefully uh, today we can think about having them accompany this, the idea of the second coming of Christ. I want to read a passion of scripture for you. First Peter chapter one. It'll come up on the screen. I can see our screen is a little off here. This is what happens at brunch. Ah, look at that. Did you fix that? Yeah. Good work. <laughs> Man, we got pros over here uh, fixing all of my mistakes. But um, all right. So in first Peter chapter one, uh, Peter, the disciple that was very close to Jesus kind of reflects on how we should respond to the life of Jesus Christ. And you know what? He uses these same themes. These same things that, themes that we talk about at Christmas time. And we light the candles for. So let me read this. It says this. Praise be to the God, to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he starts it with that. That we should be excited and praise and celebrate and worship because of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's starting to go, he'll start to go through kind of the life of Jesus and why we should be so pumped about uh, our life and why we should praise God for it. it. says this, in his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. So right there in that first passage, we have that first word that kind of we use during the Advent season to prepare for Christmas. That is accompanied with the coming of Christ the first time. Where it says, you know, hope. This is what it will be. This is what the coming of Christ gives us. Is it gives us great hope. And he even uses that phrase of new birth. And you can think kind of doubly with that phrase. Is The first one is, think about that manger scene. Jesus Christ there for the first time. All that we've talked about through this season is that new birth of the new child was that fulfillment of all those promises in Scripture and was a new day, a new time. And that's what new birth he's talking about in one way. But then he also tells us he's talking about it in a second way in that Jesus rose from the dead. That that was also the new birth. That Jesus came to earth, died, but was resurrected a second time. A second coming of Christ in a way. And that's kind of what he points us to. And so the hope is that, yes, Christ was born, but Christ rose from the dead. And into an inheritance that can never per uh, perish, spoil, or fade. That resurrection or that new life 
is a life that you know won't end uh, in death. It will end uh, in heaven for eternity, and so it will not perish or end. And so that's kind of the first picture he gives us there of hope. It is hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's hope that there is a new birth and new life that will never end, and a, and an inheritance that can never perish, spoil. Or fate. To continue on, it says this This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Let me pause again right there. And this is kind of gives us this picture of that second word that we have during the Advent season of peace. It doesn't use specifically the word peace, but it's talking about, it says, this inheritance is kept for you. It's in a bank vault. It's safe and secure. It is in a place that is shielded from any of the other negative things in the world that could take that away by the power of God. It is protected and secure, and you can be at peace. And that's really where peace begins, is like having an assurance it's under control. Having an assurance that it's not like my, my life is not on unsteady ground or my life isn't like swayed by all of the changes that are going on in the world, all of the difficulties that I face, the, the struggles that, that, that come up in my life. That's not what my life is founded on. Instead, my life is founded on this inheritance. My life is founded on the fact that as creator of the universe as my father as my savior jesus christ he said that my inheritance after my life will be secure and firm in heaven eternal and that's that's an incredible peace and you see even the language he uses here is he's talking about that until the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time so he's pointing us to future things and he's saying there is a future time where your salvation will be complete. Where, like, the salvation will fully come. There is that birth in the manger. But then the story culminates in the second birth when Jesus is risen from the dead. Our life that we're in right now, we're experiencing, yes, that, that kind of first life. And maybe we have, like, put our trust and faith in God, but there's still the struggle. And there's still the difficulty. There's still pain. There's still death. There's still sickness. There's still all of these struggles. But the salvation that is to come will be fully revealed in the last time, in the end. And so, you know, like, as I think about some of my fears surrounding, like, things to come, how silly is that if I truly have faith in what God is talking about? He's saying that, you know, what we experience here and now, included in all that is all the struggle, all the difficulty, all the war, all the turmoil, all the societal stuff in the world that we deal with right here and now. It's, it's being saved and will not fully be complete until the end of the story. God has not has not saved this world completely yet. It's still groaning and struggling and dealing with the consequences of sin. And this is where we're at. But we know that it is secure 
and our inheritance is secure. We know that that is firm. And so whatever surrounds us, we're shielded by it, by the power of God, knowing that in the future, God's full salvation will be revealed. God will fully make everything right. God will restore everything the way he intended it to be. And so hopefully there isn't like a fear of what's coming next. What is God doing? Hopefully there's an incredible peace saying, you know what? There will be a point in time where God makes it all right. And even if we're in the middle of it, it's scary and difficult. But the message of Christmas and the message of the second coming of Christ is peace, not fear. Continuing on, Peter says this in verse 6. In all this, you greatly rejoice. Uh, Though now for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith these, is co- these, ha- the, these have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by the fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. So it gives us this, you know, this, the third picture of Christmas, and it says, rejoice, be joyful. Be joyful knowing that, like, this is what God is working out. This is what God is doing. That there's this refining process that is taking place, but it is culminating in what Christ is, has revealed in his first birth and has promised us in his second coming. So it is coming to be, and we should rejoice. Verse 8 says this, Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. And so the last word of Christmas that we celebrate every year is in that final paragraph there where it says, Though you have not seen him, you love him. Hope, peace, joy, and love. And the last one, love, is something that is, that is a byproduct of us being close to the Savior and close to God. It's something that is not perfectly and easily definable, even though the scripture gives it a shot many times. But you can look back at different relationships in your life and you'd say, I love them. I just love It's something that overwhelms me at times. It's something that is clear and present. It's something that I can't quantify or explain, but something that is tangible and real and something I know maybe better than anything else in my life that love does exist. And it's powerful and it's real. It's powerful enough to save Harry Potter from Voldemort. And we know it to be real. I just had to throw that in there. My kids have been watching Harry Potter. Um, uh, So it just popped into my head. But uh, we recognize and realize in all those depictions that this is the byproduct of a relationship with God. Is it's love. And it's something that overwhelms and fills us up and should be a part of like our feeling 
and emotions when we think about uh, what God is doing in this world. So I want to ask you again, and I want you to take a moment to search your heart. And I want you to ask yourself, what are the emotions that surround you when you think about the fact that Christ said, I will come again? What emotions grip you? Are they emotions of fear, of I better get ready, I'm unprepared? Or emotions of saying, I am filled with hope. There's peace in knowing that. I, like, I'm overflowing with joy and love in my heart because I know what God is doing. And that's what Peter, how Peter reflected on the life of Christ. Is he reflected all of these emotions that we should feel as a result of that. There is, there is always opportunity for us to search. Always opportunity for us to grow. And if your emotions are something that are like filled with anxiety and fear and all of these other things that get in the way of what God intends for us, if you search your heart, and in Psalms, you know, Psalm 139, it says, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. If your heart is filled with those anxious thoughts, it's a good opportunity and time to, to start right there and start asking God, God, why am I anxious about these things? Why am I anxious about these situations in my life, circumstances in my life? Why am I anxious about maybe my own personal health? Why am I anxious about future things that will come up in my life? Why am I anxious about money and finances and like all these things? Because if those anxieties are gripping us and overwhelming us, it's telling us that maybe, maybe, maybe there's an area of faith that, that is lacking. Maybe there's something that God needs to still do in us. And we all get there at some point in time. But it's something maybe we need to reflect again on that, that, that Christmas story and look forward to what God is doing here on earth. And say, no, we should have the same emotions that Peter had after understanding and embracing all this. I'm full of hope. I'm at peace. I am so joyful and my actions are filled with love because of what God has done and because of what God is doing. So if you're full of anxiety and fear, cry out to God. Ask God to fill it with something different, something new. Ask God to show up and give you peace. And that's what happened that first Christmas as people gathered and uh, came into a relationship with God incarnate on earth is they started to move from fear and anxiety and all of these other things to the point in time where they can pen words like this. Like Peter does. I'm full of hope, peace, joy, and love. The more and more they're in relationship with God. And the more and more they believe the story that God is unfolding on this earth. I want to take a moment to pray and ask God to help us in this new year. Help us to uh, not just have a change in like our understanding of God. Like kind of the mental intellectual side. But truly to have our emotions filled up with these emotions. These sentiments, these feelings. 
So God, I just pray that you be with us. Search our anxiety and our fear. God, sometimes it's easier to look back at the Christmas story instead of look forward because looking forward can be scary. Looking back is sentimental and sweet and all these things. But God, if we have to look forward, if we have to look at our own life, if we have to look in the mirror, there's a lot of anxiety and fear that accompanies that. But I get, God, I believe that you came to earth not to elicit fear in us or anxiety. I believe that you came to earth to give us a secure foundation to rest our lives on. To give us a hope, peace, joy, and love. So God, do something in us right here, right now, and moving forward. That you change our hearts and calm us down. Help us to have the same response that all these people did down through the ages at your first coming. I want to encourage you, if you're struggling right now, to do exactly what David recommended. To cry out to God to search you. Say, God, you can... Say, God, help me. Help me to know where I'm missing it. God, help me to know if there's any offensive way in me. Help me to know if I'm, go I'm going astray. And if you seek God in that way, he has a way of not putting us to shame or harming us or putting us in a bad place or making us feel endlessly guilty about our actions, but to come alongside us and say, you are forgiven. You have been given grace. That's why I came. But we have to take the first step in faith and to step forward and say, God, search me. Forgive me. Help me. Know my heart. Allow, to, allow yourself to have a relationship with the creator of the universe that gives hope, peace, joy, and love. And who holds the entire universe in his control. So God, even though I have a long ways to go in my relationship with you, God, I, I'm ready for whatever you have, whatever comes next. Whatever you will, your will be done, God. And I eagerly anticipate your arrival. I eagerly anticipate your full salvation. 
saving me and saving this world. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Have your way.